Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Fast Women. I'm Eileen. And I am Nicole. And today we are coming to you live from Pasadena, California. Woo-hoo, yes. But we haven't been here long. We no. have been here a couple of hours, well, a couple of hours, like, like 48 hours. <laughs> yeah. But um, we'll talk about that in the next episode while we're here. But we have just come back from glorious and very exotic travels. We have. I was in Austria. And I was in Sweden. Mm-hmm. Why were you in Austria? I was in Austria to get a crack at the Fisker Ocean. Now, the Fisker Ocean is an all-electric. Mm-hmm. Is it a compact or a subcompact? Uh, it depends who you ask. I would say it's just a, a, a compact. Is it like the size of like a Subaru Forester Ford Escape? Yeah, maybe more like Ford. I would say Ford Escape-ish. It's Ford Escape, as we like to call it. Yes, it's Ford Escape-ish. <laughs> it's Ford Escape-ish. That is not the official pronunciation. Right. Um, but okay, so it's Ford Escape-ish mm-hmm. in size, and you went all the way to Austria. Why? Fisker's based in the U.S., right? Well, there's they have the thing is their Magna is doing is where their manufacturing facility is, and that is it in Austria. So Magna is a aftermarket parts supplier. Yes, and they build things. They do they build what the Subaru they build, or not the Subaru the Toyota Supra there they, and the and BMW Z4. Yeah, and they build um, I think like every um, G wagon Mercedes Benz yes, G wagon yes, since okay. the beginning of time has been built there, and they have a whole bunch of BMWs. So we the factory tour was part of the thing while we were there. And we so we got to see the how how the assembly is working, but it was freaky because you normally walk into an automotive factory and it's Ford and it's all Fords, or it's Chevy and it's all Chevy, and it's like, well, this section's BMWs and this section's Mercedes, and over here we've got our Fisker stuff. And did the sections talk to each other? Were they were they like restricted from talking to each other? <laughs> were they like, no, you cannot touch my German it's wrench, funny. you yes. you you Japanese car manufacturer? You? No, it was all very open. It's and it's you know, and there are certain you know, it was an interesting way they divided it. Like Fisker was saying, what they're trying to do is to make sure that you know they are still a startup. Even though there's a huge amount of money involved in starting a company and they've got a lot of money, it's still a startup and they still have to pay attention to where they're spending their money. And manufacturing facilities are expensive. And even though they have purchased much of what they are using in the facility, they have the expertise of the Magna team to to help them and the training from the Magna team. So it's not like they're starting from the ground up like, okay, how do we teach people to build a car? The Magna guys know how to do that. They might not have built a Fisker Ocean before, but they know how to build a car. And so this is different than what Rivian's doing. Rivian built out an entirely new factory mm-hmm. inside an old Mitsubishi plant. They have to train their workers from scratch and do all that. So there's a, a dichotomy kind yeah. of, of styles here. Right. And Rivian's already up and going. When does it look like Fister's going to actually start building vehicles? Okay, literally, as we're recording this, it is tomorrow that is supposed to be the start of production. Okay, and that's that's full-on production? Are they doing a slow ramp-up like regular automakers I'm, do? I'm just... What, what the official phrasing is, start of production is November 17th. Uh, okay. So, so <laughs> that's not like... I like They didn't get much more specific than that, but like we're in the factory and we're looking at them and there are vehicles there and there's... Like, you look at it and you would think it's already doing... Like, you feel like it's already going. Um, and they have... it's active and things are happening so it doesn't feel like oh you know well maybe they're actually going to do that maybe they're going to put one little car together maybe they're going to put a windshield on a body like no it really feels like a factory that is is in the process of getting things ready some one of the things we saw they have these special sort of i don't want to call them mules and i forget what they're called but they're in there it's for them to test all the tolerances of the vehicle and they have prototypes not really a prototype they use these they use these sort of um I think almost as molds, kind of. Like, imagine you have two cars, but all you're doing on this one is making sure all your gaps and everything is just right. And then when your supplier A comes in and puts their parts onto your car, do they fit the way that they think they're going to fit? And we were there a day, there were like a million engineers from this one company crawling all over it. He's like, this is literally what they do. And I guess not everybody invests in some of this technology, but it's a very common thing for German automakers to do, and they've invested in it. So he's trying. There, there is a focus on, like, we need to be lean. We're a startup. We are not this huge company with gigantically deep pockets, but we're going to invest our money smartly so that as the development happens, we have a car that looks good and has quality and things that like auto journalists always wig out about like panel gaps and things aren't quite right that I honestly don't think consumers notice that half the time, but that is part of the quality of a car. So their goal is to create a vehicle that's very high quality and all the parts coming from the various suppliers are exactly what they want. And Magna is a huge part of that because they help them, even though everybody has their relationships with these suppliers, Magna has such a long history of doing this 
that it really benefits Fisker to, to take from that from that knowledge base. So that's how they build the car. Yes. Uh, tell us about the car. So did you drive it? Were yeah. you in it? Were you crawling in it? Yeah. Were you rolling in I, it? I did not crawl in it. I don't generally crawl in cars. I mean, I don't know. I've seen some to. things. <laughs> <laughs> Unless I'm stuck. No. Um, so we had some time. They have a test track at this facility and that's where we drove it. And they, it was, um, you could pretty much get as much, you know, a good amount of drive time in the car. So it wasn't like it was like one lap see a bye. You could really drive in it. They did like an acceleration test on it, like a straight line acceleration. Um, then you turned back around, came back around, and they were a little slalom, so you could go back and forth for handling. They had one, they called it a moose test, like as if it's a moose in front of you, and it's like you, but it's cones, but they call it a moose test, as if you're going to have to like break and swerve out of the way, because you don't want to hit one of those. Um, so you could see how well that handled, and then they had a skid pad, so that you could... And if anybody's never been on a skid pad, like it's like imagine you go outside and there's a thin coat of ice and you just put one foot down and your feet are out from under and boom, you're gone. It's Those skid- make fantastic videos, by the way. The, the ring cameras and yes. the slippering people, so, like yes, amazing. Exactly. So <laughs> envision that. But made for cars on purpose so that the car slips so they can test how that how that works. And it, they do it with the material that the skid pad is made out of and water on top of it that just constantly puts water, like this thin skim coat of water. So we could go on that and literally just kind of really you know, hard right, hard left, brake, accelerate a little bit, see how it handles when it's, you know, trying to lose control because you're sliding and do you really get your control back? Um, and then there was a giant circle that we could just, we like go around the big <laughs> circle. And I did, we, I said that. I, I um, believe I you. Crawl, <laughs> uh, so we, we also able were to do that. And we, we had laps to do that ourselves. And then they had um, a, a professional race car driver who was there. And then one of their engineers who also would take you out and do it, which is, um, the thing about that is like you get a lot of feedback by doing a drive like that yourself because you know how you drive and you know what you're used to, how hard you would push a vehicle. But you're never, is just a regular Joe, going to push it as hard as a race car driver. And you're not going to drive it the way that these engineers that test this stuff drive it. And you think like, oh, mild man engineers. No, they know exactly what these vehicles can do and they will push it. So I love taking laps with those guys because you feel, they push it in a way that you can feel how how hard the car is working or how hard it's not working to do what it's doing. So I did it laps with both of them, um, which were fantastic. So it's a good, it really drives really well. It's good. It's solid. Um, you know, it has that EV acceleration. You mash the, I want to say gas. I can't just call it pedal. That the accelerator. Stupid. Accelerator. You accelerate like with the accelerator. You mash the gas pedal. That's not a gas <laughs> pedal. And it accelerates really aggressively. You know, it's that push you back in your seat kind of acceleration. Is it kind of like the Mustang Mach-E in that way? Yeah, exactly. Same kind of idea where you just, you know, it goes. If you want to go, it's going to go. Um, the handling was really good. Now, one of the things to note is this was a prototype. I think what Henrik Fisker said is he felt like we're 85, 90% of what we had, that's what it was going to be. They were finessing things. A lot of software stuff, they were still finessing. And some of that was the torque vectoring a little bit. So our torque vectoring wasn't set up to be as good as it will be. And you'd think that'd be like a drawback. Well, yeah, if that's what they were shipping, but they're not shipping that. But we were testing that and even testing that it still handled really, really well, which is like a good sign for, OK, as they continue to finesse that, it's going to get even better. So some of the new electric cars we're seeing. So like the Nissan Aria has that movable center console and yeah. the bin underneath there. Yeah. Um, there's some really cool things that are, are coming in these cars and the electric platform, because it's flat and you kind of just have this open cabin. It'll, there's some allowances there for what you can do. Yeah. You told me about like these little compartments that okay. are in the ocean. So yeah, tell, yeah, yeah. Tell, tell the listening audience. So this is cool. And this is going to sound like you, you, sh- you kind of have to see these because in your head you're going, what? When I describe them. So first of all, where you would normally have your glove box, Henrik had talked about how what we throw in our glove box is junk. It's like the owner's manual for the ones that are printed out. You maybe have your car registration. You got an extra pair of gloves. You got random junk, but you don't really go in your glove box that much. So instead, where the glove box would be on the passenger side, they call it, they call these taco trays. They're really called taco trays. You and I need to go somewhere in a Fisker ocean and eat tacos. Yeah, but I'm just saying like that needs to happen. It will happen. Okay. At some point, if we get a Fisker that we can both drive together, we're going to go get tacos. 
So the the taco tray pops out on the passenger side straight out from where like you would traditionally grab to pull down a glove box. And it's literally just a flat tray surface. So the, think of it, you've stopped, you're having lunch, you're doing whatever, you have a nice little actual flat stable surface. So that's what the passenger gets. For the driver, it's when you open the center console it kind of reminds me if you're on an airline and you have a tray that deploys from the arm. That's exactly what I thought of when I saw the video. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it just, it like has a little arm, it comes out, it folds in half and it's, it's enough to hold like your drinks, uh, like a couple drinks, a sandwich, your phone, but it also acts as a surface. So many people work on the go because the going to the office is less common. It has a enough space so that you could stick your laptop on there and have it as a stable surface for your laptop. If you wanted to take like a zoom call mm-hmm. as you're parked in your car. Um, that's kind of neat. But then you're like, whoa, but what about, what do I do with my owner's manual and the random junk that I want to have that I never go to? Well, underneath the front seats, if you reach under the seats, there's a little tiny little toggle thing you open and there's a little, and a little door flips down and there's a little storage space. It's not just like shove it under the front seats. It's an actual storage space. So whatever you put in there, little teeny stuff is going to stay put in there. Um, I thought that was kind of cool. I thought it was a neat use of space. Yeah, I like that. I like it's different, right? Yeah. Like you don't see that anywhere else. Right? I can appreciate that. It's different. The difference of thought is is kind of a cool a cool platform. Like we've got all these electric vehicles that are allowing for differences right. of thought. I appreciate that automakers are using them yes. with differences of thought. Well, and one of the other neat things in terms of so in the back, you're talking about little cubbies and stuff. So um, if you're the person who's in the middle and you can sit three in the back, pretty comfortable. I mean, obviously two is always the best idea. Mm-hmm. But if you got three, the third row person, the person in the middle, always you're kind of mush because your toes normally hit the back of the center console. There's no space under the seat because you don't have a seat in front of you. It's this huge open space. I can almost stick my feet out straight in front of me. It's like an exit row. It's like an exit (laughs) row. Yeah, it's like the exit row in the Fisker Mm -hmm. Ocean. So that's kind of, again, that's a small thing. It doesn't like, like, oh, well, this makes the ocean amazing. But it's a small detail that adds to making it a really good car. That makes me think of, like, when it serves as an Uber, it's going to be okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, how many times have you, me, and, like, another person squeezing yes. the back of a car, like a Nissan Versa, and we're like, this was not meant for three right. people. exactly. <laughs> like, your shoulder to shoulder, your side, whoever's in the middle is, like, sideways because you have no place to put your, your feet or your knees. So that was a nice little feature that I thought that they had in there. So they, it's a creative use of space. Uh, which I appreciate, and I think that's something, you know, we we use our cars so much, and the work-at-home thing has changed how people use their cars. You're out more in your car in your day-to-day during your work day, and I think this makes it a little easier to use that way. That makes total sense to me. Yeah. I have one last question for you about yes. this. Yes. You went to Vietnam to be in VinFast. Yes. That is an emerging electric vehicle company yes. in the U.S. Uh-huh. You went to Austria, and you drove uh-huh. this. Um, which company is has their act together? Which like when you look at it, you're like, hmm, they like, hmm, like, because I mean, we had some reservations. Yeah. It sounds like it sounds like you're more optimistic about Fisker. I am, Fisker. I am way, way, way more optimistic. Optimistic about Fisker, and I know people talk about like this is this is his second company. There was. Fisker Automotive, and now this is Fisker Inc. I think I got that right. I believe that's right. So, but they, they did not succeed. They learned from that, but there's this sort of like, well, you didn't do it once. And we give it a lot of people have failures, things that don't work, mm-hmm. and you learn from that, and you build successes. So I don't think the failure of a big thing necessarily means everything's going to be a failure. It could mean you know more than the other guy because you already figured out what not to do. Um, and then you go on and you succeed with something else. I think Fisker has a really good chance. I, I, I'm t- seeing the, the attention to detail and where the build quality stood in this. Here is the big difference for me. So VinFast, it's not this horrible, awful car by any means. But what they were showing me, they were pretty much saying, yep, this is what's going to ship. I'm like, this is what's going to ship? Yeah, a couple of changes here and there. This is what's going to ship. And I kind of looked and thought, this really isn't ready to ship. Like, this just doesn't. It needs to bake for a few more hours. Like, it just wasn't quite ready. With the Fisker Ocean, they're like, we're not entire. What you're looking at isn't entirely there. We know it. We will have it there by the time we ship. And everything that they mentioned, I'm like, yep, 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 yep. Like, they're aware of things. So it makes me feel better about their product being something that people are going to be happy with, not just the Fisker fanatics. Because there's always these, like, legions of people who are super excited. There's Tesla folks who would, like, 
you know, stake everything they have on Tesla and people who are the same about VinFast and people who are the same about Lucid and, and about Fisker. But I think that the regular people that are going to get inside of a Fisker eventually are going to be pleased with it and are going to like it if they continue doing what they're doing. Like, the, And there's a lot of OTA updates that are part of this too. The OTA updatability of the Fisker should allow them to fix and improve and tweak things. Yeah, those over-the-air updates are fantastic. That's what Lucid's doing. That's what Ford's doing. Everyone's kind of doing that now. These cars that have the modems inside of them. It's like a smartphone. You can update it over the air so you don't have to plug it in and get a SIM card update, that sort of thing. And you don't have to be like, i got to go to the dealership or i got to do this. Mm -hmm. No, it's like, hey, you want to update your car? And the car's like, you tell the car yes, and and it does it. You know, so that's a a really powerful tool. I know one of the things that they've addressed a little bit is that there was... um, some of the safety features, the base safety features, and I don't have the list in front of me, but they are a very small number of Fisker vehicles and people were freaking out about this. So I feel like it's worth mentioning for anybody who's listening specifically for the Fisker stuff. A small number of vehicles will ship without those things activated. Super, super small number. Could they give me an exact number? No, but they're saying it's a very tiny number. But in very short order, they will have an OTA that will put that onto those vehicles. And that the vast majority of vehicles, when they ship out the door, will already have that over-the-air update. So they're they're ready, they're just not enabled. Yes. So Mm -hmm. it's not like you need hardware. Nothing needs to be added to your car. It's an OTA. It's like, boom, now everything's good. It wasn't a great explanation as to why, but that is what's happening. And it's not like, oh, we're shipping it to you without any safety forever. See you in 2024. No, the the safety that wasn't going to be on that small number of vehicles by the first, like the early 2023. And this is really going to be in customer hands in March. So that's already pretty late in 2023. You know what I mean? So it's going to be a very short mm-hmm. window and a very small number of cars. All right. That works for me. So when we get back from break, we're going to find out where you ate mm-hmm. in Austria, because I am very interested in that. I, I'm ready for all of the things. Um, and we're going to find out where I ate in Sweden, talk a little bit about the car I went to go see, and then we'll come back and talk about some other stuff, because that's what we do. Okay, sounds good. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. All right. We are back with segment two of Fast Women. Uh-huh. Uh, Nicole was just telling us about the Fisker Ocean yeah. that she went to Austria to drive and find out more about. Um, and then also to eat in Austria because yes. that's what you do when you're in the land of bread, cheese, wine, and schnitzel. Schnitzel. All things schnitzel. So tell me about where you had dinner. Did you eat at a very stereotypical Austrian restaurant that gave you all of the meats and all of the cheeses? No. Why did you not do this? Okay, because the first night, we originally were having dinner in the same place both nights, and it was a place called the San Pietro and Sandbar, which is an Italian restaurant. If you could see Eileen's face, like, what? An Italian restaurant. Really good Italian restaurant. It was really, really good. You had the option of meats and cheeses. Yes. I technically didn't because I didn't okay. plan dinner. It wasn't like, hey, Nicole, would you like some schnitzel? And I was like, no, give me Italian food in Austria. This is where the dinner was planned. So that is where I went. I for forgive the you. Okay. I, I have Thank reservations you. and questions for Fisker, but I forgive you. I know, right? So we had dinner there the first night. It was a lovely dinner. We had a huge charcuterie. They put them on. You ever been in the pit? They do know the weight of your heart. Okay, yeah, right? So you know when you go to um, some pizza places instead of putting the pizza on the table they put it on little metal stands so yes to, yeah they had metal stands like that and the charcuterie where we had three of them for a little table they were like they were like two feet long and a foot wide and just covered with stuff oh yeah so it was like eye level so if I had wanted to I could have just been like at a trial like I, don't know. <laughs> I didn't do that because I thought that the Fisker folks might think that was not acceptable so I just used the little tiny forks and took stuff it was really good it was, was it, it that but that had meats and cheeses that did have meats and cheeses on it so technically it would there was meat and cheese it just wasn't the traditional German meat and cheese experience that one would expect 
I, I'm, I'll let this pass. I, it was not my decision. I would like to say again, not my decision. So what did you have? So it was Italian. So what did you have that was Italian from the menu? Do you remember? There was pasta. There was a shrimp dish. There was chicken. Oh, like family style like, then. You know, you could, you could order what you wanted. Like you could just kind of yeah. get whatever you wanted. So, and they, they had, our shikuru was our big appetizer thing. There was lots of wine. There was a lot of wine. I like that. Copious amounts of wine. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it was a really good meal. And the neat thing, because this was such a small program, literally I sat across like the table from Henrik and his wife Gita so I'm just sitting there like it, we're just talking and what's funny is like some of that is like off the record because you're just sitting talking but also it's really kind of fun to just when someone lets their guard down a little bit mm-hmm. that is always very care you know they're careful about what they say and he, not like he was saying anything awful but just the way he says things is clear like Pierre did not actually approve those exact words <laughs> we've both been in those situations you're like yeah. oh no they don't want you to know He's that really sharp, he and his wife both are very sharp and he, it, it was a, it was a fun experience to sit there and even with the food like at one point they went to take the charcuterie that like they thought we were done and and I was like, no, we're still eating that. I'm like, oh, man, after my own heart, leave that there. <laughs> very nice. Yes. Very nice. And then you said you went to a restaurant. You don't remember the name okay. of it, but it was good? Yeah. So the second night, because we did this thing the first night, the second night, um, our um, hosts that were from the American side of things were like, can we get them to, can we get a smaller situation and maybe take them to a traditional Austrian restaurant? Because I totally forgot that I didn't get the name of it because it wasn't in my itinerary because it was a last minute change. So we walked just down the way from the place where we were staying. We were staying at this Algarten Hotel. So what, t- what city is this in? It's in um, uh, Graz. Graz. Okay, Graz. Mm-hmm. Which is looks like Graz, but it's Graz. So we're in Graz. And it was the Algarten Art Hotel, which was... Um, that sounds very fancy. It was very fancy, but you know, it, it was that art. The art thing is crazy because like you think the art is all cool. You're like, art is amazing. And then it's like, oh, this is supposed to be a really cool statue of a human, but it's dark and the lights aren't on. And now it's a scary statue in the hallway as I walk Wait, into my room. Ah! Is this like the 21C? A little bit 21C-ish. Where oh. There's random art installations throughout and some of it's super cool, but like in the one, the lights turn off automatically, you know, as an energy saving nope. thing. Nope, on the one nope, floor. nope. So you're on the second floor and you, you come out of the elevator, you come to the elevator and the light pops on in the corner there's this little like <laughs> statue you're like ah it's like something out of Doctor no, Who no um, but the hotel was lovely it was a lovely hotel um, so it was it was within walking distance there and that night we went and we literally all got schnitzel and we got um, we had schnapps they, she, yes. like, she did her own syrups and stuff so it was like a pine honey Situation that was really good, and she had us do this like toast thing. Like I wasn't, it was, it was a different. I've never done this particular toast, but you like kind of like oh cheers or whatever, or, you know, prost. And we supposed everyone was supposed to like knock back the shot, and I knock back the shot, and the hostess does. And like at the table, I look around and I was like sip. I'm like you guys. That was supposed to be a. <laughs> this is a proud moment for me for you. Uh-huh, yeah. I'm like no, I drank the whole thing because like, I'm I drank a that professional. Whole thing in one gulp because I was eyeballing what our hostess was doing, and that's what the hostess from the the. the the woman who I think owns or manages the restaurant did amazing schnitzel. Oh my gosh, it was so good. And then they had these pancake things. So have you ever had a German pancake? Yeah. Okay, imagine you chopped it up into bite-sized pieces. Okay. Put it in like a pretty little copper pot and then sprinkle powdered sugar on it and then give everybody little forks and then give them sauces and you just stick your fork in and you grab one and you dip it like it's an like a dessert appetizer situation instead of one big German pancake. This sounds like a fantasy world I would like to attend. It was amazing. Schnapp. Schnapps, German pancakes, all the all the S words. Oh yes, and sex. That is pure food sex. (laughs) That's what that is. I am here for it. I love it. So so that was amazing. So that was our dinner the second night, and I wish I had the name of the place. I'm I'm epic fail there for me, but it was lovely. So I was in Stockholm. How did Stockholm go? Stockholm was wonderful. I've never been there. Okay. Um, I really liked it. Yeah. Despite the fact I only had like six hours of sunlight. I really oh, enjoyed that's it. Right, and it's winter, so you really are getting the no sunlight. Yeah. Here. So it was like it was like eight AM to like three PM really, mm-hmm. which was fine. It's just kind of one of those disconcerting you're like, wait, wait, but can I tell you how well you sleep? Oh, when there was, like, no light <laughs> whatsoever. I was like, this is great. More of this, please. Um, so I stayed at the Hotel at Six in Stockholm, which is kind of in the heart of Stockholm, down, downtown, where there's touristy stuff, but there's also a lot of business. It, it was it was quite fantastic. The hotel's yeah. great. It's, it's a larger hotel room that we stayed in, okay. which is always nice for Europe. You're never quite sure what you're going to get. True. Um, but the entire interior of the hotel room was painted black. 
And like all of it had black upholstery. I'm thinking, what's the is it the Rolling Stones song? Is that paint it black? Door and I want to paint it black. Yeah, it was just not. It was. It was fine. It was very dark, but like everything was dark. So like, but it was a great hotel. It was honestly, it was really a fantastic hotel. I do enjoy how in European hotels, I've never had this in the U.S. hotel, but like you open the door and you close the door and it's almost like you're like in a secure location. It's like, very like, it's, yeah, like it's, yeah. you're like, oh, okay. Well, that it's makes sense. It's very, very, it's, we have like flimsy doors. Not that our doors to our hotels and stuff fall down or anything, yeah. but like our door just shuts like a door. Their doors, you're like, you are ensconced. Clunk. Yes. Like I, I enjoy that I feel like it's, yes. it's your own personal coffin you're going to sleep into um, but so we were there so we'll talk a little bit about the food first I went to Griffin's Steakhouse the first night okay. which I did not choose um, that doesn't sound very Sweden. No, it was not very Sweden. Um, in fact, it was they. It was everything but Sweden. I felt like I had some row tacos that were amazing. Ooh, I had uh, about ten different types of steak, which was great. I had the meat sweats the next day. That's how you know it was good. <laughs> um, there was there was a lot going on there. A lot. They had French fries. Like they, it was a great a great place. But it very much felt like. Did so, you put mayonnaise on the French fries? Isn't that it? Or is no. that a Belgium thing? The that is Belgium, okay. but um, and I enjoy that, but only when I'm in Belgium. Okay. But these were just it was it was interesting because it was like it felt like this is the place you go and you take the people from the Americas because the Americans like steak. Yeah, yeah. And I was just like, I mean, it was fine. It was really good, a great dinner, honestly. Um, I didn't have any of the wine, but the wine looked the wine list was fantastic, um, and it was great conversation. But it just felt like I was like, this is not an authentic experience. This is not what I want. But yeah. it was a fantastic steakhouse. So like, your first day in Stockholm was like my first day yes. in Austria. It's like this is great, but this isn't the food I want to eat in this country. Right? I'm like, no, I didn't come here for this. <laughs> this is not what I want here. <laughs> so then um, the next day we were supposed to have you had like the opportunity to go have breakfast or lunch before you went and did like all the Volvo things. Yeah, because that was going to be like ten hours. Yeah, and so. So I went and had lunch, and it was a um, pre-chosen lunch menu. Yep. And the first one was sugared beets. You're not a huge fan I of beets. Hate, no, not even a huge fan. I hate them. So this, I, I found it delicious. It was definitely 100% not up your alley. Um, but it was it was like pickled beets, and so it was actually really delicious. Oh, pickled beets. Those are the worst. Were they the red ones? Yes. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. So I enjoyed it. It was really good. And then they yeah. had um, some Swedish meatballs. So I, I felt okay. like... Which, uh, the person I was dining with asked me if I thought they were better than Ikea. And I felt oh. like that was a different bar for a four-star restaurant to be giving me... It was an interesting thing. Like, I was just like, um, I, I should fucking... I should I, hope so. Ikea, she, there's a bleep right there. Yeah, well, there's a bleep. Uh, there's a, are Ikea meatballs, are they really... I mean, I've had them. They're good. They're fine for Ikea meatballs, but, like, like if I'm making gourmet like food... Yeah, I feel like that's like making a burger and, like, is this better than Burger King? Well, I... I hope so. It's just, like Yeah, know. it was interesting. And there was, ironically, an Ikea attached to our hotel. So let's just put of that in there. there it was very much a very Swedish thing. Um, but yeah, so that. But we had that opportunity. And then we went to uh, a place like the park they'd taken over this park area and they had a okay. show a, a showroom for their cars they cleared all the cars out and they were just having that as like a holding area for us. Sure. So they had a full bar. They did have cinnamon rolls. Ooh. But they weren't like, yes. Ikea also has cinnamon rolls. <laughs> yes. These were much better than Ikea cinnamon okay. rolls. Um, but they had, if tasted, they, they had a little bit of like cardamom or something in them. Yeah. Oh, but it was, it was so, so good. good. Mm. So good. I don't know, know a brand. It was a catering company, but they were delicious. Really so, um, yes, I am high on the life of the cinnamon rolls. I'm, I'm high on all the Ikea things, honestly. Um, so, Authentico. This show brought to you by Ikea. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, we had that. And then um, for dinner that night, actually, a couple of us went out on our own and we ate this amazing wine bar. Ooh. Very much a local place. Like we went a mile and a half away from where we were staying into kind of where more people live. Um, and it was completely, so it's 14 seats. Oh, so tiny. Oh, those places. Very are tiny. Yeah. Has a little bit of a bar area. There's 14 seats there. You get, the kitchen is literally like right there. Like there is, it is all intimate space. There are not small intimate spaces. It is the whole thing is an intimate space and you could not make a reservation, which I kind of oh. love, but we showed up a little bit later and we're able to just get a seat for the three of us and it's uh, small plates and a tremendous wine and cocktail list. Ooh. And we ended up getting six plates, which okay. was more than enough for us. And plates had different sizes. So we had, um, I'm going to actually pull up the menu because the menu was amazing. Was and this it, more traditional as opposed to this the is definitely Well, it's different though. So it wasn't like, 
it wasn't like traditional Swedish food, but it also wasn't not traditional Swedish food. Okay. So we ordered, um, I'm trying to think here. We ordered the, I'm like looking at me, uh, her, the, if you could see her face as she's struggling to read what's on her computer screen right now. Because, no, because I just pulled it up and I'm like, this is not the menu we had. Um, best best bread I have ever had, though. Ooh. It was like a what small so loaf tasty? of bread and it was like just a thick enough crust that it was like crusty, but the inside was just like all airy and mm. soft and they served it warm Yum. and it came with fresh salted butter that they'd obviously made. Yeah. And it was just like, yes. Really good. That was really good. Yeah. We had so many things. We had... Um, some, I'm trying to think of what it was. We had a leg of rabbit, which was delicious. That had like a barbecue sauce on it, which is also I was like not what I expected, but it was okay. it was actually really good. Yeah. Um, there were these toasts with anchovies on them and a harissa. Were they the big anchovies? Like sometimes anchovies. Yes, but they had no heads. Okay. And no tails. Okay, I'm okay now. Yeah, they were stripped clean. Sometimes you're like, oh, anchovies. No, no, no. These were these were. The, among the least offensive anchovies I've ever stuck in my mouth. Um, but they were actually delicious. We had some salad. We had some, uh, yeah, we had the greens. It was just, it was, it was just like all these small, but it was all so good. Oh, good. Like everything we and had. did you try the wine? You said it was wine. I did not have wine. I had a cocktail and my cocktail was called the Mondino Spritz because, you know, I like an Aperol Spritz. Yeah. This is a different type of spritz. Okay. I don't know what was in it. It was delicious, but I highly recommend it. Okay. Better um, than an Aperol Spritz or not better? Uh, I'm, I'm, it was, it was actually a little more bitter. Oh. And I found out I'm not that bitter, but it was still delicious. Contrary to popular opinion. <laughs> Contrary to popular belief, I am not actually that bitter. Um, but it was really good. And so for the three of us, for six plates and I think six drinks altogether, including like big glasses of wine, it was about a hundred and twenty dollars oh, so US cheap. Yeah. so like that's and it was really yeah, good and really small and three people for yeah. a meal like that yeah so that felt like that was the right thing to do and we even had dessert we had um, the chocolate mousse Ooh. with a caramel sauce Yum. that also had olive oil Oh, that's different. And, and it was olive oil sometimes makes desserts. Like, it doesn't seem like it should, but it does. It was so rich. I was like, one bite and done. Yeah. But it was so good. And then um, we had a some sort of, um, like, a, a souffle thing. Okay. It was really good, though. Awesome. Really good. Amazing. It's called Gru Gru. Um, G-R-U-S, G-R-U-S. Um, and their menu is changing constantly, which is why I pulled this up. I'm like, oh, like, well, that menu changed. doesn't have everything on it that I had. Um, but it was really, really good. I highly recommend that. The third night we were there, we went to a restaurant called Restaurant Princeton. Okay. Which, this was a huge group we had. And we didn't get to pick anything on the menu. It came for us. Um, I had a fish soup. But did you like it? Th- it was fine. But the, my favorite part of this entire fish soup is that it was it was like a fancy presentation. So they give you a bowl, a big bowl, that has in the middle mushrooms yeah. And on top is an oval potato cake. Ooh, it's fancy. But then they fill the stew, but the cake didn't really cut because it was like fried just right. So you're like mashing your potato, but it's not really mashing. You're <laughs> trying to be like elegant in this nice restaurant. I'm so sly, I'm so slick. Mash, yeah. Mash, mash. <laughs> like this is not working. But it was actually, it was actually fantastic. The food was really good. I had a big steak and I didn't eat the whole steak, but it was really good. It was charred. Like oh, it was yeah. cooked on an open flame yeah. and it was fully cooked on the open flame. It was so good. Um, I'm trying to think of what else we had. I did not have the dessert. Uh, I was completely exhausted. I guess I spent that entire day so that third day, we actually had some time to walk around. So I had like six hours to explore Sweden in the daylight. It was very much not daylight by the time we were done. It was a bit of daylight they had. Yes. And so actually a friend of ours, um, the two of us went, we went around the entire city, went to a bunch of museums. We went to Cafe Albert, Ooh. which the location he chose, um, it was perfect for me. It was in between a Tiffany's and a Louis Vuitton, okay. which is how you know you're in the right part That'll of town. Do. Yeah. And my favorite part about this is, and so like you, you and I both love like cafe seating. Yeah. Like, and I love that it's coming to America more and more. Like that's one of the good things to come out of COVID right. is more outdoor seating. Yeah. But what I really loved is that their outdoor seating had tables and chairs, but they also had footstools for everyone. Oh, cute. And, like, after a day of walking around the city, you're just like, you know what? I would like a footstool. Did it have this? Sometimes they do this in Scandinavian places. We even had it in Austria, the little fuzzy, little, like, not real sheepskin oh, yes. thing on the Oh, yes. And they have little heaters coming yeah, up. I love that. I loved it. And so we ended up walking, I think I worked like, walked, like, 13 miles that day. Yeah. All over. We did. We had the opportunity to take public transport. Didn't take public transport. 
but walked over Cafe Albert was really good and I had hot cocoa mm. and they actually put like marshmallows on it and they nice. had like a straw and it was in a big fancy glass Ooh. and it was just like it was just like a perfect like I'm a little chilly and this is kind of just right toasty up thing yeah this is just where I need to be right now this is a good spot in my life and you're <laughs> watching the shoppers come out of Louis Vuitton you're just like oh you overspent so like <laughs> your valet is going to have trouble fitting that into the yes, of your car <laughs> yes so that was that was fantastic I really enjoyed that um, and so I was there I did get a chance to go to two different museums Museums. Um, the first one was the Vasa Museum, mm-hmm. which is if you ever see Stockholm pictures of a museum, you're gonna see that. It's gonna be that giant ship that yes. is inside. And honestly, I was like, okay, giant ship museum, it's the number one attraction, I should go to it. I didn't think it was gonna be as cool as it was. It was actually fascinating. First of all, the entire ship is enormous. Yeah. It's like seven stories tall. And you go inside and they talk about like the preservation efforts and what it's taken. The fact that the ship only traveled a thousand meters and sank, like total, it sank in their harbor. Like it's like a whole, it is, it is the biggest folly. You're like, somebody screwed up. Somebody really screwed up. And it was beautiful. It was this beautiful ship. They show it, like, painted and everything. They've got all the records from it. Yeah. Like, but then it was kind of, like, in the mud. They had to raise it. And it's just, it's really cool. And it's, it's you don't think it's going to be really cool. And then you get there and you're like, no, this is actually a really you fascinating know, story. The same thing. We didn't, I wasn't in Sweden, but I was in Norway. And they have um, similar things where they have the, you know, the old ships. That the they, Viking ships and yeah, stuff, right? Yeah. They have dug up. And it's the same thing. It's been in the mud. Hopefully these went more than a thousand miles or whatever yeah but they so they have and it was same thing it was like oh we, we're in the city we got to see this museum thinking okay it's gonna be a ship but when you see them in person the size of these ships and you realize the scale of it you th- it's and then there's always details about the history and what they found around it and it's it's really interesting to see like it's it, you're sort of surprised by how into the idea of like what was all about the ship when this was new and so my, fa- my favorite thing about this ship is that the uh, they built it and it was gorgeous all this ornamentation it was painted yeah. so beautifully they built it so that it had portholes or whatever for cannons whatever they're called for the can- Port- the portals. cannon spots portals. The, th- the, the squares that the cannons go through I, I would call them portals and unless you're okay so someone from the navy feel free to correct us but go ahead they built them too close to the water Oh no! So when is that uh, why it sank? Yes. So on a windy day, waves went in, filled it with water, and it sank. Oh lord, that feels like a little bit of an engineering oops. And I feel like even in the 1600s, they could have figured that out. Like, you're like, like you guys, that's really, really close to the water line. No, we're fine, Bob. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So that's why it sank. That's why it went 100 meter or 1,000 meters and sank. Oh my god. But yeah, it's just it was just it was a folly of a ship, but really gorgeous and really fascinating. I also went to the Avicii experience. What is this? So the DJ Avicii. Oh yes, yes. wake me up when it is over. Like that, that, that when yes. it's all over, yeah. that that sort of thing. Um, it was an experience, kind of a, his life and his music, and it wasn't as in depth of it as I thought it would be. Yeah. Like I was like I was hoping to actually experience more, to learn more about the music and things like that. Um, but he tragically committed suicide a few years ago, mm-hmm. and so there was actually a really uh, an overtone of mental health about the entire thing, hmm. where you kind of learned like. The parts that we as a public didn't know. Right. And the parts we didn't see and about his childhood and things like that. And then at the very end, and I thought it was a really good way to do this. They had a lot of fan tributes, but then you went into an area where they talked about suicide prevention and awareness and things like that. And all of the proceeds or a good portion of the proceeds from the experience go to suicide prevention. That's that's nice. So, yeah. So, it was was very nice. Um, nice. I will also say that I went to a donut shop slash Mm -hmm. ice cream shop. I approve. Slash street food of churros. Oh. This is the ultimate stand. Oh, where? Yeah. To be clear, in Stockholm, it was Cafe Jafari, I think it was called. Okay. Um, it was amazing. Yeah. And so did I... Did you try all those things or did you pick one? I No, I picked two because I'm okay. an adult. Yeah. Um, I chose I chose the uh, donut because it was breakfast time. Okay. And the ice cream because I didn't... Ice cream. Ice cream. Because also I was like, well, the ice cream will melt and then I can drink it and then I have a beverage as well. Okay. So it was... <laughs> it was multitasking. It was a very long logical in my mind so we did that and that was really good but I did find out so we walked like from there you walk down the main street and that kind of takes you to the parliament and where the royal palace is there's no garbage cans so you're carrying around an empty container well, for hours <laughs> I wasn't because my travel companion was so lovely and he was like 
I will hold that for you and throw it away, like, very generously. And he didn't realize he'd be holding it for, like, a mile of walking. <laughs> and it was cold, and he was holding it. I'm like, I can take that. He's like, no, at this point, now it's a mission to find a trash can. Um, we did see some protesters who were talking about the Ethiopian genocide, which I was personally unaware of. So they raised my awareness of it, and I read about it, and it's horrific. But it was just fascinating to be like, oh, okay. And then there was some guy protesting um, plant-based products, which is fine. That's kind of hard for the course now. But um, but the, the Ethiopian genocide, I mean, I'm very anti-genocide, but now that I've read about the ETH one in Ethiopia, I was very much like, holy crap, we, somebody needs to do something. Like, it's, it's horrifying. Um, so if you haven't heard of the Ethiopian genocide, please read up on it. It, it is a human rights issue that is worth uh, learning about because it's, like I said, it's horrific. Um, but on a lighter note, I was actually there for Volvo. And so we were talking about a new Volvo car. What car was that? The EX90. Okay. And you're thinking, this is the new XC90 because it's it's electric. Uh-huh. And you're thinking wrong. Oh, no. Am no. I- it, it, it's, it's not disappointing. Volvo is never going to do, like, big design things. They're never going to make big strides. It's never going to be, like, soup. But, like, from a technological standpoint and from a safety standpoint... It's leaps and bounds ahead of yeah. where anything is. So they're going to sell in the U.S. the XC90 as it is now with improvements um, alongside this new EX90. Now, we've got like 18 months till it comes to market right. in the U.S. This is a 2024 model year vehicle, so yeah. it's a little ways out. It's a little ways out. It will be built in South Carolina, mm-hmm. so that's fun. Um, but And it will be built in China, and I believe it will also be built in Sweden. But... It's, it's the future of Volvo. They're very clear about going all electric. They're very clear about all this. So good news is the interior is 100% Volvo. You get into it, you're like, this is a Volvo. I have no questions. Like, this feels comfortable and familiar. <laughs> it's got the new infotainment. It's sleek. It's sophisticated. But the cool stuff that they've done is... Okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be kind of mean. It has what looks like skin cancer. It oh has... <laughs> It has this like mole on the top of its face. It's like it's what? like. Do you remember um, Fred Savage in Austin Powers? And Austin Powers is like mole, 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 mole. Like that's all I see when I look at the EX90. It's got this lidar um, thing on its windshield at the front of it, and it's you can't unsee it. And it's it's black. Is this on the outside? Yes. Because I'm doing exactly the photos. What if you look I'm at doing. photos, if you look at photos, they try and like mask it. Oh, gosh, dang it. Now that you show me the photo, yeah. And it, it, it's weird. worse from the side. They only show it from the front. It's worse from the side. Okay, so it's 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 not great, but it's not terrible. It's not like that big dome light, like a police thing that they used to like show us when they were testing. Right, the It's giant not like thing. that. Yeah. It's still not great. So the exterior design of the Volvo, very strong. It's got really cool Thor's hammer, new new kind of design uh, headlights. I love that they call them that. The, oh, oh, I love that. Love it. Love but they're, it, love they're it, like it. pixelated, which is really fun. So they're, like, they're kind of like the Hyundai Tucson where they're like all these different like rectangles and yeah, squares. Yeah, yeah. But they're in the shape of the Thor's hammer, which is cool. Mm-hmm. And even cooler is that the Thor's hammer is divided. So you've got like the top swoop up in a straight line, the bottom swoop up in a straight line. Yeah. And they divide. When you turn on the headlights, Ooh. and then it looks like it's winking at you, Ooh. and that's really cool. <laughs> like, I love that. The nerd in me is like, okay, the winking like, Thor's hammer. Yeah, the winking headlights. I am a hundred percent here for. Um, but also, it has windshield wipers, and Volvo integrates the squirt mechanism into the windshield wiper itself, so it's not like it comes from the hood of the car. I actually love that. Okay, and I say yes. If you, it's great just if you have dirt or grime or whatever on your car. But if you're in this, if you're in a snowy place and you haven't fully cleaned out the little nozzle on top that's like sort of like on I guess it's like on the hood or right yeah and you think you've cleaned it and you have it and suddenly it's clogged with ice and now you're driving and you can't and you just can see a blue pile of it's like clean, the saddest thing just sitting here like great that's not me yeah so to have it on the actual wipers that's like the best thing ever I love that every every automaker should do that they but really it also should. has a little squirt cleaner for the LiDAR so it, like the windshield wipers go up they squirt squirt and then they say that you'll be traveling at, when you do this, and so it will just clean the lighter. It doesn't need to wipe it. But, like, uh, so up, up, squirt, squirt, wipe, 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 boom. I wish you like, could <laughs> see the video as I lean I'm making it with my hands. What like, these actually do. <laughs> so it's that. Like, it's that sort of thing. Um, there's not a lot of third row legroom, which okay. is, is very much like a midsize SUV. Mm-hmm. So there's not a lot of third row legroom. It doesn't have the presence of the XC90. Like, I think of the XC90, you're like, this is a commanding presence. Yeah. This is very much more crossovery. Okay. Like, it very the new, the new hood of it is very much more like the XC40 Recharge. Um, 
I think it's great. Like, it, it, it is Volvo. It is yeah. authentic. It doesn't it, look like they're leaps and bounds ahead. I didn't see it's right person. where it needs to be. I just saw pictures and read through the press release and stuff, and looking at them, like, it looks very much like a Volvo, which isn't a complaint. It, it stays very true to Volvo's design aesthetic. It, like, moves things forward just a little bit, just, like, moves it a little bit. It doesn't, they don't make giant leaps and bounds here, but it looks very Volvo, which is good. And safety is their number one thing. So they're not going to put technology on the car if they don't think it's 100% safe. Right. They're working towards zero fatalities in Volvos. Right. And very rapidly. And, um, like, it, it's just authentically Volvo. And honestly, I think it's going to be fantastic to drive. I really enjoy driving Volvos anyway. Yeah, I'm actually going to grab one and pick one up next week and drive it. Um, hopefully through snow if the weather gods the cooperate. Weather, yeah. So, um, but it's going to start under $80,000. Which for a Volvo, for a premium product, and for an electric, that's yeah. a really decent price point. Yeah. And it's going to be made in America, which is kind of fun. Yeah. Like, I, I don't I don't hate that yeah. aspect of it. Um, did find out that the next vehicle they have coming will be a much smaller electric. SUV. Mm-hmm. Um, from what I understand, though you might read it otherwise elsewhere, it will not be coming to America because oh. it's a little bit smaller than what we traditionally have here. Yeah. Um, but they are going to introduce a new vehicle every year between now and 2030. That's so cool. there's a lot of stuff coming. Okay. And so what you see here on EX90 is the future of Volvo, and you'll see that employed throughout. Got so it. And there's also going to be like some facelifted stuff in there. So it's not like the future isn't like just not ignore America until this gets here in 2024. There's more stuff coming. So, that's the EX90. That's why I went to Stockholm. I really enjoyed Stockholm. I will 100% go back there. Um, I want to actually go and go to Gothenburg, which is the headquarters of Volvo. Right. I want to go there. I actually want to go drive in the snow in northern Sweden. I would like to go do, like, I just watched the Grand Tour. Like, they, oh, they did this yeah. Sweden-Finland one, and I'm like, I want to drive I down a ski slope in a car. I've always <laughs> wanted to do that, like, forever. I just remember thinking when I was a kid, like, ski slopes at home, I just, like, can you can you drive on that? Because you'd see the little groomer grooming vehicles and like, can you just drive there? I just want to drive there someday. You can't just drive on that, Nicole. Why not? Because as for the snow girl, I just want to drive. Yeah. I want, so I've driven on ski slopes when there's no snow. I would yeah. like to drive on ski slopes when there is snow. Yeah. That is my, that's my wish. Yeah, I would like to make it my command. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's do that. Life goals. <laughs> Life goals. Okay. So we've had two kind of long segments yeah. in this episode. We're going to talk a little bit shorter in the next one. We're going to talk about some project you and I have been working on yes. that we're really excited about. And then I'm going to ask you five questions. Okay. We'll be right back. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. All right, welcome to segment three of this episode of Fast Women. And Nicole and I have been working on a project with the Newsweek magazine team that we're really excited to share with you. Um, As you know, as our faithful audience, that we eat, drink, and sleep our way, which sounds seedy, but it is not. Excuse me. (laughs) It is not seedy. Our way across the world. And we do it for a reason, and it's because, one, we love food. We love sleeping in cool hotels. We love experiencing new cities. We love traveling. We love cars. We love our jobs. Um, And we want to share more of that with you. So in addition to the podcast, in addition to the written work that we do, in addition to everything else we're doing, we are also now going to be appearing fairly regularly in the Mm -hmm. Newsweek magazine. Yes. Which is really exciting. That's fun. It's really fun. And it's really fun for us because it's actually in our voices. It's not like a formal publication sort of thing. There's no, there's no one saying like, you must write to this style and this number of word count and this, like, there's no, it's like we're gonna rewrite it and make it sound like us like no we want it to sound like you guys so, yeah and it does because we've now seen what the first one's gonna look like we just saw the first one so it officially went live um on the day we're recording this which is you know a week before you guys are seeing it so it's gonna about hit newsstands it's the november 24th issue of newsweek um and this one for our very first one in the culture section of newsweek we covered delectable local desserts yeah. which anyone who knows us 100 up our alley what do, you, what do you think you could write about what are your topics dessert let's start there <laughs> Yeah. Right there, we'll move on. So some of these places you and I have been together. We're not yeah. going to tell you all of them. You no. do need to go to Newsweek.com and read the online article. Or even better, go pick up a copy of Newsweek. And even better, you can subscribe. Because then you're guaranteeing our salaries a little bit, which makes Woo-hoo. us feel good. Yes. <laughs> but anyway, so we are doing this. Um, a couple of these things we've eaten together. 
some of them we've eaten apart, and a couple of them, like, our friends have yes. eaten them. So, we, because we, were, we we wanted to try to get, we were getting a mix of places from all over, and, like, despite how much we've traveled, we haven't been everywhere. So, we referred to some of our colleagues and our friends who have been in certain places or even live in certain places. Like, do you have a place that's a must see for a dessert and got some really good suggestions we did and these are places that we were like okay where would you take us if we came to town right not like where is every tourist going but where would you go if you were there so one of the places we went to um we talked about it in our rage over sport issue or issue episode of fast women is the chocolateria san jeunesse yes talk about in madrid so we've got that on the list we've got a place in south africa that actually my nephew recommended he Mm -hmm. lived in south africa his fiance lives in south africa um, so there's there's you know, family and ties there. Um, one of our favorite places we'll kind of talk about. We, we've also talked about actually Solvang, California. There's yes. a place from Solvang yes. early on. I don't remember what car we drove there. Yeah. Uh, Subaru Solterra. So if you listen to Subaru Solterra episode, we you talked about, talking about that. what was there. Um, we've talked about there's a pie in here because of course there's a pie. pie. That's what we do. But it's not from Julian. That's no, the caveat. It's a different pie. It's, it's a, a different, different pie. pie. Yeah. Um, but one place we haven't talked about that we've been together is Montreblanc. Yeah. And there's just it's one of those desserts if you look at the article it's one of those things that just brings out the kid in you yeah like it's it's called a beaver tail because desserts with silly names taste better yes yes and sugar anything mm-hmm. with sugar tastes good absolutely that's 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 the diabetes drugs talking uh-huh. um but yeah so so there's all sorts of different things and nicole's actually been to some really cool places one of the things that i really like will kind of give you a little bit of insight um look is Cafe Florian. Yes. Which is in Venice, Italy. And you went there with your family. I went there with my family, with my husband and my two daughters. I don't know. It was well before COVID, like five, six years ago. But we had, when you go there, like St. Mark's Square is very touristy, but it's still super fun to people watch. And this Cafe Florian is known for their hot chocolate, but it's not like any other hot chocolate you ever had. You guys, it's like they use actual shaved chocolate in this and make this incredibly rich, delicious hot chocolate. And if you order desserts, they're all really big. So when you think you've ordered three desserts for you, you've actually ordered almost like three cakes. So scale down what you order for dessert comes this giant silver tray that a waiter brings out to you as you sit at your little table and you can take the chocolate home. It actually comes in a little brown velvet bag. You can get the chocolate. And if you're a baker, you can use it in your baking. That's how good this hot chocolate is. Instead of actually using baker's chocolate or you can use this chocolate in your baking. It's amazing. I love it. One of it. my favorite places. I love every bit of what you've just said. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. And now I'm like, well, I need to go to Venice. So that's kind of what we want to do is we want to give you places to visit and inspire travel within mm-hmm. you using kind of our expertise. Like I said, like, we're not eating all these calories for nothing. It's now for print and yeah. it's for being online. So we, we are putting our useful, useful knowledge to the test. Um, so after this, in December, we'll have an article that talks about the best small town getaways across mm-hmm. the world. Yeah. Places, again, that you and I have been, some of them together, some of them apart, um, a couple places that one of our friends in Japan has been to. Yeah. So it's it's kind of fun. I even did some online places where I know people that live there and they've talked about it. They're telling like, I'm going to highlight your town because this is the most adorable town I've ever seen. So And I love that. Like, I love I love discovering new things. And even as you and I are writing these, we're writing them together. But there's places you've been that I haven't where I'm just right. like, ooh, I want to go there. Right? So there's, like, places we've both been, places I've been, places Eileen, Eileen has been, and then places where we know people or our colleagues have been. So it's this neat collection of cool places to go. And I'm like say we've got, I'll shout out some quick topics we have coming up. Um, and this is through like April. Like we're booked through April with these mm-hmm. things. We've got an issue of uh, coffee shops, charming, quirky, and unusual coffee shops, um, places to watch sunsets, roadside attractions, wineries, spas, um, movie locations, like all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Um, so if you do have a recommendation for us about a place to visit or a place where we need to know about tell for future us. consideration, tell us, um, yeah. tweet us at fast women show, tell us on Instagram at fast women show. Um, just let us know because we're excited about it. Like yeah. this is kind of cool. It's fun. Um, we like and doing this. One of the things we really like to do is we want to highlight small businesses. Yeah. I don't want you to tell me about the giant hotel chain. Right. I want you to tell me about this local small business. And especially like coming out of COVID where it was such a hard time for travel, the travel industry. Right. That if we can help highlight these small businesses and draw attraction to them. Yeah. That makes me like, I'm like, oh, my dad would be so proud. Yeah. Like, like that's like, like small business dad would be yeah. so proud. We can help out. So if you know places and you're like, you should talk about this, you should talk about that. We'll, we'll check them out. We'd, we'd be happy to take suggestions from everybody out there. Out there and in the world. In the world. Yeah. All right. So that is what we've been working on. That one was a nice and short segment. We're going to come back with another short segment. And I'm asking Nicole five questions because it's my turn. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? 
Good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome back to Fast Women. It is time for me to ask Nicole five probing but only metaphorically questions. <laughs> okay, I'm ready. You are ready. Okay. Um, the Porsche 911 Dakar has come out. It is a safari Porsche 911. Okay. Which is lifted, chunky okay. tires, ready for action in the desert. Like, on the dunes, right? Okay. Now, we have a friend named Emmy Hall. Yes. Emmy has a Mazda Miata that she has safaried. Yes. If you don't know it, I know that sounds crazy, but look up Emmy. It's crazy. Yeah. Check out her Miata. Buddy. Oh, Buddy. Buddy, yes. Buddy the Miata. Buddy the Miata. Okay. So, question for you. Now, Buddy's a little older, so we'll go with a new buddy Miata. A young, so, yeah, okay. build a new Miata. Okay. Would you rather have a buddied Mazda Miata or a oh. Porsche 911 Dakar? Okay, the, the logic in my brain is says, Nicole, you should say the Porsche 911 Dakar, but the fun of me wants to be like, I want a modern buddy. You want a modern buddy? <laughs> <laughs> Do I get Emmy with it? I mean, I'm sure she would, like, hang out okay, with us. Okay, if I get, I would take the modern buddy with Emmy over the Porsche 911 Dakar. I'm okay with that. Okay. <laughs> All right, I, I would the Porsche 911 Dakar because okay. I, 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 like, I like air conditioning. <laughs> and, my, and, and also, like, it has slightly more leg room. Yeah, but I'm... And cup holders. Well, the technically there's a little wonkity cup hold. The technically the Miata has cup holders. You, if you didn't hear that, I rolled my eyes. She did, <laughs> did hear it. You rolled them that Yeah. Hard. Okay. Um, Fiat 500e is coming back to America. Yes. Electric Fiat. We don't know how many they're going to sell, but we know we saw three special editions at the LA Auto Show this week. Which of the three special editions would you choose? There is an Armani edition. There is, and you're going to have to read them off to me, because I'm like, you have it in front Armani of you. The edition, and then, are these my names here? Wait yes. a minute. The, the Cartel? Yes. Which, which is a clothing is brand, I believe. For, okay, because I'm like, are they doing, uh, never mind. No, there's not the drug um, running Fiat. Oh, like, I think it's a brand. Yeah. And then the Mytropo? My, my, my yes. Mm, I have to pick one? You have to pick one. Do you go with the fashion house? No, Do you go with the other thing? Exactly, no, I don't even think. I like the cartel because, okay, did you see? Does it come you, with drugs? <laughs> Do we know that it doesn't? No. It, look at the, um, the mirror caps. Oh, see? that's fun. Look at that. That's really oh, cool. It's like a lattice pattern. Yeah. That's fun. So I like that. With the lattice pattern mirror caps on there, I'm going with the cartel. And if, you know, if there's anything else in there, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bonus with your E. A little bonus. <laughs> okay. Um, we are at the LA Auto Show this week. Yes. Which of the major auto shows do you like best? There's four. There's New York, Chicago, LA, and what am I missing? I love that you're missing Detroit. Detroit, yes. <laughs> I'm like, where was I? I'm, I'm literally sitting here waiting. I'm like, yeah. the one that should be the obvious one. Yeah. Okay. Which of those four auto shows do you like the best? They all have a little different flavor. So while you're thinking about that, Los Angeles is kind of green car focused. Detroit's like big three focused. New York is like flashy, flashy, flashy focused. And Chicago is much more like a hometown show. Like it's it's consumer focused. So it's got like all the cars, basically. Which one is your favorite? Okay, I can't tie. I have to pick one. You have to pick one. Dang it. Um, I'm an evil mistress. You are evil. Um, I'm going to go with New York. And the reason I like New York is because I like... It's still a fairly... It's a big auto show. There's still a lot going on. There's always a lot for consumers and for news stuff. Um, it has a diverse number of people that come in terms of media and automakers compared to some of the other shows. And I like New York City. So part of it is where you are for the show, right? So if I have to come in and I'm going to spend, you know, what are three or four days at a place, I, I like New York City. I find it fun to go to where they host things in New York City and just explore the city. I like New York. So New York wins. Well, I'm going to be... In New York with you. One. I'm gonna. I like Chicago. See, Chicago was gonna be my second, but you said I couldn't pick two. Chicago's like 
neck and neck with New York. But I like Chicago because it's so approachable. Yes. And it's so much lower key than mm-hmm. the others. So, like, you've got executives there, but they're more willing to be candid with you. And you yeah. can kind of, like, you're going to go out to dinner. You're going to have cocktails or whatever. But it's just, and it's all within the, the McCormick Place kind of complex, usually. Right. And it's just, it's very much lower key. Like, I feel like that, Chicago's where you develop your relationships. Yeah. And the other places are where you develop business. And see, you're, you're, she's like, oh, business, relationships. Yeah, also Chicago has really good pizza, so that was going to be my Oh, yeah, thing. you and I always go out for pizza. Like, so the pizza thing, I understand that there's, like, the work thing, but you're asking, like, Chicago is pretty high up there just for its pizza. And they have a Starbucks Reserves right there. Starbucks Reserve. On the Miracle Mile, yeah, they do. With all the fancy, you can pay way too much for your Starbucks because you don't already. You can get, like, the fanciest <laughs> of Starbucks. You thought it was pricey normally. Go yeah. to the Starbucks Reserve and you can get stuff that's even crazier. I always enjoy going to Chicago and taking an architectural tour. Mm-hmm. They've got a bunch of different ones. Last one we did was, like, 1800s, early 1800s Ooh. gilded buildings. Yeah, they're but it's, pretty. There's the, the, the non-profit society there. I don't remember what it's called, but they do a fantastic job with that. And that's kind of one of those add-ons that I'll do when I'm in the city. That's kind of cool. It's really fun. Yeah. Okay, so I'm looking out the window. We're in Pasadena right now. I see palm trees. Pasadena has an inordinate number of tall palm trees. It's yes. like what Santa Barbara wants to be. Yes. Um, would you rather look out a window and see palm trees, or would you rather look out a window and see evergreens? Evergreens. Why evergreens? Because I like I like mountains. I like forests. I like, like palm trees. We're looking out our window, and there are a handful of palm trees, but they're mm-hmm. the only trees. It's not... But if you look at a window where there's evergreens, you tend to see lots and lots of them. You see forests. You see forests. I like forests. Okay. Um, I drove last week a vehicle that I would describe as my car spirit animal. Okay. What is your car spirit animal? What is my car spirit animal? You can consider it for a moment. Like So I drove last week a Land Rover Defender 90, so the two-door Land Rover Defender. It is slightly inelegant, slightly brutish, at times uncomfortable, doesn't really behave, but it had a V8, and so it just charges through anything that it has a problem with. And it can get around traffic, and it's fun, and it's cool looking. Like, that to me, like that car, I'm like, oh, that I like that. That's, oh, that this is, it, it's not like my favorite car ever, but I feel like I was like, I identify with this car very, very much. Okay, I was going to say one, because it's the one that comes to mind when you say, what is my spirit animal? Like the car, because it's the car that I just feel like I loved it the first time I drove. But you know what I think my spirit animal car? I'm like, now I'm really into this. Uh-huh. Like, what is it? I think it might be the um, the Jeep Grand Wagoneer. Really? Yeah. Only because I was going to say Alfa Romeo Julia. So you have a lovely supple interior, is what you're telling I, me. I like the <laughs> I like the I like the Grand Wagoneer because it will get you through anything. It will get you through horrible snow. It will get you through all the muck of a New England winter. You can put an army of people inside of it. All the stuff you could possibly want, but it's still just beautiful and luxurious but I like the capability and the ruggedness that it combines together I like the Grand Wagoneer I love the Grand Wagoneer I'm okay with that That, so I'm gonna say that that's my spirit animal is a Grand Wagoneer your spirit animal car is a Grand Wagoneer yeah I'm okay with that I'm I'm a rough and tough defender you're like a defender and I'm like I'm sorry I'm in my supple leather seats over here enjoying a little little snack in my Grand Wagoneer we definitely both chose luxury vehicles I know let's be honest no one's like like, (laughs) my spirit I was going to say a word that starts with an S and ends with a box. We did not. None of us were like, I'm a total. (laughs) Okay. So that's what we have for this week. Next week, we will talk about why we were in Pasadena. Um, The vehicles we were driving, we can actually tell you about because there's some we can't tell you about. Even to like March. So we've got a long time. Um, Well, we can say we drove them, but we can't tell anything about them other than we thought it was pretty or not. Yeah. We can't even tell that. I think we could. Okay. Drive impressions. Drive impressions. Okay. Drive impressions. All right. So we'll come back with our next episode. We'll tell you about about. We'll tell you all about Pasadena. We'll tell you about what we were doing, and we'll talk about that next time. Okay. Bye, everyone. Bye.